Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU basketball wins ugly. Why that is just what they needed. It's Super Bowl weekend. Steve Young makes his return to the show. Plus, BYU basketball assistant coach Tim Lacombe on how BYU gets things rolling. Choo-choo! Let's go! (laughs) This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. This is how we do it. BYU Sports Nation live. This is how we do it. In Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Friday, January 30th, wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who knows how to throw a Friday party, Jerem Jordan. Said no one ever to me. <laughs> last night. I'm tired. Yeah, it was a late tip. Late tip last night. The game ended at like 11.20. This was, this was way more. Why are we doing this? Like the previous BYU-San Francisco games. Okay, the grinded yeah. out, ugly, just find a way to win for BYU. Uh, this is kind of what we expected the first go-around, which ended up to be a, a BYU blowout on the road. But last night, it was just, yeah, it was just ugly. One of my favorite moments was uh, San Francisco head coach Rex Walters. Not everyone <laughs> likes this guy. I actually love this guy. I think guy. he's hilarious. I think he's awesome. He's super frank. Uh, had some fun choice words for Tyler Haas the first time he <laughs> fell on the ground that we can't say on television and radio, especially on BYU TV and BYU radio. But he got a technical foul, and I'm, I'm sitting courtside, worked for ESPNU last night, and I can hear everything he's saying. So he's just mad at the refs. Everyone's mad at these refs lately. And he's, he says to his play-by-play guy on the radio, I don't know his name, I'll just say Joe. Joe, he points at Joe, you know, the court's on here. Joe, these refs are terrible! And then he talks to Roxy Bernstein, the play-by-play for ESPNU. Roxy, these refs are terrible! <laughs> right before his tee. I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Gets teed up. It's so you funny. You can hear it on the broadcast. I know. That, I was like, hey, this just happened. Everyone, and one dude's like, we heard the whole thing. I was like, oh. I'm surprised. Seriously, I tweeted this out last night. I was surprised that he lasted that long before getting a technical foul. There was an over-under discussion uh, among some of the media members where I was of how long it would take for him to shed his coat. He had it on, I think, the whole game, which was the biggest surprise. Of the night. That's actually the Twitter question answered to me. <laughs> oh, it's about BYU number one. The conversation alive and well on Twitter 24 7. Use the hashtag BYUS and be a part of BYU Sports Nation. What's the most surprising thing you saw last night from BYU basketball? To me, it was the halftime performance uh, by the. No. Um, I don't know. I'll think about that. Use the hashtag BYUSN. At Dereal B. Hain. 12 points from our postman. Huge! They actually had a good night. I think there were four, four from the field, 10 boards, 12 points. They combined to average what Eric Mika did by himself last year. I miss you, Elder Mika. Yeah. Yeah. He was a 12 and 8 guy, right? So. He was bigger than that in my heart. <laughs> and right now, he's, oh right now he's handing out a Book of Mormon the, to someone in Rome. The most surprising thing to me BYU played 12 players. Yeah, that, yeah, that was interesting. Tim Lacombe's going to be on, assistant coach. We'll talk to him uh, what went into that. Uh, choice this late into the season. Interesting. BYU still figuring some things out. I'm okay with trying to improve yourself uh, at all aspects of life. BYU did use uh, different lineups that we hadn't seen. Ryan Andrus was the first dude off the bench. I mean, it was it was different last night. He had a nice reverse left-handed layup. Also on Twitter, at LaserSheep, Winders post-move when they really needed it in the last minute of the game. That was huge. That was the best post-move of the game, and it comes from Anson Winder on a play that was... Kind of ad lib. Here's the story there, and we found this out in the post game. I, I asked uh, Dave Rose about it. I said, 
Derek Nashif jumped out of his chair. What, what happened on that play? And he said, Chase Fisher, it was a screen and roll with Fisher and Winder. Winder was wide open on his roll to the basket. So Nashif hasn't leaped like that since he was a junior in high school at Evergreen in Vancouver, Washington. And so I'm like, what just happened? So then Anson Winder, super determined to get the ball, post up on his own. This is ad lib. Scores a bucket with like 36 seconds left. That was a big moment. It looked like it was drawn for Anson. It was not. We'll also ask Tim Lacombe about Terry Nashif's choice of eyewear. Yeah, this last is night. this is something we need to find out. Here are your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Of course, men's basketball wins seventy eight seventy four. Women's basketball wins on the road at San Francisco. Morgan Bailey goes over one thousand points in her her career. Congratulations to at. A Bay Bay 41. Austin Colley nice. indeed signs with the oh. Canadian Football League team. It's the BC Lions. He's reunited with John Beck. They're on the same team. 04 Boise State's going to happen again. <laughs> Where's Matt Payne? Now, now you see Matt Payne from that game. Oh, come on. Volleyball game day. You had to bring day. that up, dude? Hey, volleyball game day. Volleyball. No, he had the, those were the two big hits he laid. I wasn't oh. talking about the missed field goal. I thought you were everything in the field goal. I was like, Jared? why would you no, bring he that laid, up? No, he laid the hammer on those two hits on the punt returner. In that game. I, no, I, I remember. Okay. I was on my mission <laughs> in Brazil. Volleyball game day, my friend. Yeah, I'm very excited. BYU versus UC San Diego. Uh, 9 Eastern time, BYU TV, BYU Radio. Cougars 36-0 and all time against UC San Diego in men's volleyball. Yeah. I've been, a- I've, been, I've been sick this week, and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting back to the Smithfield House and kind of... I can, I can almost shed a sickness in the Smithfield house. There's so much energy in there. There's the, the power. Football recruiting weekend. They're going to be at the volleyball match tonight. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Winning dirty. Told the guys in there that, uh, you know, the, the fact that we you know, finally got one of these where uh, we don't get the three to fall for us very much, that we found another way to win it. And so it's a good thing. We'll take it and. And move on. Dave Rose on last night's game. BYU wins 78-74. And as we've mentioned more than like seven times already, it was an ugly win. The Cougars were outshot 48% to 40. They were out-rebounded. They went 3-for-20 from the three-point line for a grand total of 15% behind the arc. But they still won. And that's what matters most. And that is why you play the game. Yeah, it was not BYU's finest hour for sure. But guess what? This is the closest win BYU's had in WCC play. There's something to that. And that's, that was part of the conversation in the post-game press conference that I had with Tyler Hawes and Anson Winder and Dave Rose is the value of a win like this, especially when BYU had lost two in a row. They were frustrated. They lost to, by five to San Diego. And then what was it? Three to, or sorry, five to St. Mary's, three to San Diego. Then you get a home win against San Francisco. I know it's San Francisco. This is a team that tied for second with BYU last year, is a matchup problem for the Cougars, and they win. That's the point. And the pursuit of winning the final uh, seven before, or sorry, eight before Gonzaga is alive. You need, is just, they needed to, to get a win like that. They I need think. to experience what it's like to win ugly. Because, like, yeah, we can shoot the three horribly and still win somehow. And still win the game. There's value in that. We will find a way. 78 74 over San Francisco. Oh, by the way, you look at the three point field goal percentage over the past two games, Jerem, and it is not pretty. And that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Brady Hope would say, not good. BYU 6 for 35 from three-point range in the last two games. I have shot better than that in my church ball and intramural games combined. BYU can do better. The three ball is a huge part of what they do. 
And when they don't shoot that well, it's trouble. It's real trouble. And I asked it's a Rose, recipe for disaster, and those are the words from Coach Rose. I asked Dave Rose about this very thing. I said, how do you manage that uh, last night? And he, he mentioned that he thought that they took five or six bad threes. He said, as long as we take good threes, I'm okay with that because we'll start making them. Unfortunately, they didn't, but able to pull out the win last night. Now, you mentioned that BYU up to this point had not won a close West Coast Conference game. The closest win they had had in WCC play before last night was nine points against Portland. And I think Portland hit a couple of shots super late. Like, that game was not as close as it ended. Okay, so they win by four last night in games decided by seven points or less in WCC play. BYU was 0-4 before last night. Mm. Now 1-4. Okay, it just changes, it changes things. Winning breeds confidence. I don't care how you win, you get a win, and everything feels better. The injuries hurt a little bit less, and the guys start to come together again. They needed that win so, so badly. Tyler Haas talked about just how valuable it was. We had the right mindset tonight down the stretch. Everyone in that huddle believed we were going to win. And, and so even if we were down, we would have just kept fighting. Um, and so hopefully we can continue to do that in the next close games. BYU will have another one of these games, Jerem. They will be in another one, probably close game. At least one for sure. Five, yeah. yeah. There are going to be more of these. And because they have this experience now, it has to help. There are a couple of concerns, too, uh, that come out of this game. One is... Um, has BYU figured out its rotation? You know, they're still figuring that out. We'll 12 talk to, players. We'll talk to Tim Lacombe about that. BYU's still work in progress, um, which is okay. A little concerning in game, what, 23? Yeah, well, Dave said this 31. is the latest in the season he's, he's yeah. addressed this situation. They're trying, to, they're trying to figure it out. Kyle Collinsworth landed really hard on his hip last night. I, I am concerned about this. It bothered him quite a bit. You have one day of rest, and then you play a meaningful game. All these games are meaningful. Uh, talking to Marty Haas after the game, Tyler's dad. He said, I tell Tyler, essentially, the tournament has started. You know? So with that in mind, hey, Kyle Collins, how is he right now? Uh, the four-guard lineup, our teams have, have teams seen enough around this second time to defend BYU differently yes. and take them out of what they're doing. Yes. So how does BYU match up with that? We'll ask Tim Lacombe that as well. So there are, there are some concerns going forward, but the good news is BYU pulled out a win, and then you just go to the next one, which is Santa Clara tomorrow night. By the way, that's on BYU TV. Dave McCann is in Morocco uh, <laughs> on assignment with KSL. Why so is he in Morocco? He, he's covering something, uh, I believe, related to New uh, Testament. It's, it's a special yeah. story. but like, Yeah, it's cool. He's riding camels and awesome stuff. <laughs> so, so you are doing the play-by-play tomorrow, and Tyler Haas is three points away from passing Mr. Danny Ainge. I was so kind Have of you, Tyler to hold off last I night. I told him, I said, dude, BYU TV, we appreciate that. Have you thought about how you're going to call that? I think you need to think about it. It's and you, just, and then you need to lay out. You need to say something. Are you just going to let it do flow? You, do you premeditate that, or do you just let it flow in the emotion of the moment? I think you need to uh, – you don't need to script it. I'm just saying you need to be calculated in how you approach okay. that. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I will be calculated. Because this is a moment that's big time. When he passes Jimmer, that's a bigger moment. But Passing Danny Ainge, though? That's huge. Wow. That's quite yeah. the moment. I, I'll and try he was not to mess it up. Night. He had two shots to tie or yeah, don't mess it up. Basically, is what I'm getting. At. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk about this. Like Ryan Hawes passes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst. That thing. would be the worst thing ever. I won't do that. I promise. Now I'm thinking about what, like the word, <laughs> the words you, that I. You don't use. have to script it, but you need to think about this. This is a big moment. Yeah, he needs three points to pass Danny Ainge, so that will be calculated. It can happen like three seconds into the game. you got to be ready And he's for 28 it. points closer to Jimmer Fredette after last night. 
On his way to making BYU basketball history, Tyler Hawes is Chasing Jimmer on BYU Sports Nation. Ready? Yeah, 135. Thank you. Tyler Hawes, just 135 points behind Jimmer for debt. It's about five games for Tyler Hawes, the way he's playing lately. Okay? And he only needs basically 17 a game, the final eight, to do it in the regular season. Hopefully he does it at home. If he does it on the road, man, he's got to do it at home. It would be nice before they go out on that last road trip against Portland and, and Gonzaga. But yeah, 16.9 points per game over the final eight to finish as number one. Mm. What is the most surprising thing you saw from BYU basketball last night? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Chad underscore F14. Kyle Collins were scoring for the other team. It, it, was, it was a bang-bang play. He's tr- I, mean, that's I think there where were like three guys that had their hand on the ball at that, that point. That's where he hurts his hip. But he hurt himself. Because he, he went I mean, he went up with reckless abandon to get that ball. Finishing the tweet. But seriously, even though BYU's shot percentage was so low and USS was better, they still pulled off the win. Win ugly, baby. It all counts it's, in it's the a, same column. It's okay. Tim Lacombe will join us to discuss the benefits of that ugly win over San Francisco. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and on BYU TV. Ryan Hawes! BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products, simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. If you're new to the program, follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Join us using the hashtag BYUSN. Hoops continues to try and knock on that NCAA at-large possibility door by continuing uh, the win streak tomorrow. Well, I guess it's at one. Make it two tomorrow. Santa Clara, 9 p.m. Eastern time, BYU TV, BYU Radio. Spencer Linton on the call with Blaine Fowler. Yeah, looking forward to that. What is the most surprising thing you saw from BYU basketball last night? That is our Twitter question today. At Bradenator4 says this. Skyler Halford missed a free throw? Okay. Hashtag what is life? He's been unbelievable this year. And then he goes to the line and goes one for two in a critical situation, but it didn't hurt BYU. And yeah, we teased him a little bit about that last <laughs> night. How dare you, Skyler? He's 40 of 43, 93% this year. That is amazing. Wow. Oh, good for Skyler. He hadn't missed a free throw since January 3rd. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the late night, okay? He shot that free throw after 11 o'clock. I know. Everybody's tired. And speaking of, speaking of people that are tired, Tim Lacombe, assistant basketball coach in the Marriott Center, well after midnight last night, but kind enough to join us this morning. Uh, coach, are you feeling a little sleep deprived? Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm you know, physically tired, but uh, getting a win after a little stretch where we didn't have one uh, makes you rejuvenated and certainly feel that way today and excited that we got the win and hopefully you can get on a little bit of a run here. What was the uh, what was the best part about last night's win? To you? Well, I think the best part was we we didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, we really kind of struggled uh, offensively, and it's a credit to what San Francisco's game plan. They they changed pretty much everything up. Uh, had shown gave us a look they hadn't shown much all year defensively, and so it was a good play by them. and And our guys uh, missed some early ones that were open. Uh, and when that happens, you know, you kind of start to press a little bit. And uh, I think my favorite thing was that we, we didn't shoot the ball well, but uh, we turned them over 17 times on the defensive end, which led to 27 points right for us. And, and so where we didn't shoot the ball great, our defensive pressure kind of picked up and we were able to score 
uh, off their turnovers and off our pressure. Yeah, those are the two stats that jumped out at me as well. What was the defensive look that they gave you that was different? Um, they 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 pretty much switched every screen. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, you know anything on ball, off ball, they just switched everything, communicate everything really well. Um, and just didn't give us much opening, you know. Usually, when you set a ball screen, so two, you know, some two people commit to the ball, and there's usually somebody you can throw back to that's open, and then you kind of start the ball moving around. And everywhere we went, there was a guy they, they didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't commit to to the ball. You know, they showed last game we played them, they they trapped the ball a lot, which we were able to kind of spin the ball and get an open shot. Um, we came off ball screens, and there was they just switched, it and there was always someone there. Um, and Coach Nashville did a good job of, of working through it and getting us looks. Um, but like I say, we missed some early ones, and then you know everybody kind of started to press a little bit. But Ty was really good last night. Really happy that he uh, you know he had a, a really good game for us. And then felt like our our big guys really contributed. Um, yeah. All of them as a committee kind of really did a good job. And uh, you know Corbin Kafusi came in, got the start, and was kind of a physical presence during the game. Um, and then as we subbed, you know, Ryan Anders came in and got a huge offensive rebound and put back. And, uh, and then, Isaac uh, Nielsen. I, yeah, Isaac Nielsen may have, you know, turned the whole game uh, in that little short charge span. Charge layup, a couple free throws. Yeah, I would Maybe. say he took two charges last night, but <laughs> the only one of them. But, uh, <laughs> but Isaac, you know, these guys all work really hard. And, um, you know, the minutes right now are a little uncertain for all of them, but they all came in, and, and what we've been talking to them about is just bring something positive to the team when you play. And they did that last night. Your first close win in conference, uh, we just talked about in games decided by seven points or less in WCC play, you had been on the losing side of all of those. You finally get one. What does that do for your team's morale and confidence logistically? Well, I think, I think we're all, we've always been really confident. Um, you know, Coach, Coach Rose talked to the team, and I think he, he said with the media, if you go back and play a lot of the games that we've lost over again, you know, we'd probably win – our fair share of those and sometimes it's a call here a bounce there um but i think unified the team was was really really focused on getting it done last night and uh they had a really good edge to them and it's it's something we talked about that consistent effort for 40 minutes and it was what it took to win the game last night it went down to the last you know five seconds two seconds whatever and we had to be engaged and locked into assignments um not to say we didn't make some mistakes along the way but we battled through them and um the guys really, really competed, which was huge. What went into playing as many, I believe it was 12 players that played, uh, as many players that played when they did? It was kind of a different game last night. Yeah, we, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, going into the season, we, right now we're playing with a, a whole diff- different uh, game plan than we thought going in. You know, we had kind of counted on the fact that Nate Austin would kind of be our rock in the middle, a guy who started the majority of his career here. Um, is one of the you know rated one of the best rebounders in the country coming into the season, and he's just had you know really bad luck with his health. Um, by this time, we also thought we'd have Jamal Eights you know, playing for us, and he got hurt early and basically uh, has not been able to play. So we've had to juggle, and um, so really the kind of the way we've looked at it in practice is we've tried to do a really good job of use a lot, utilizing guys in different situations, whether it be. Um, where a guy can come in and help us get a defensive stop in a possession or two like Frank Bartley did last night, or a guy like Ryan Anders who's got a good body and big, big strong kid who, you know, great hands um, that we didn't have a ton of experience or confidence with but felt like maybe, you know, let's start using him more in situations. And so I think Coach, the one thing Coach always does is figure it out. And Coach Rose, is the, he's a magician that way. He always figures it out. 
Um, he manages his roster as good as anybody in the country. And, um, and so we just, we've kind of taken that approach in practice where we started to kind of play and substitute and for situations. And uh, the guys really responded really well to it all. No question, uh, Nate Austin has been a crucial part of this BYU basketball program and now has had a really unfortunate turn of events, uh, tearing his hamstring before the, well, at the beginning of the Utah game and then uh, retweaking that thing in practice. Where is he now in terms of, of his potential return? Because, you know, there's some clamoring now like, well, he might be qualified for a medical hardship or whatever. Where, where do you stand with Nate? Right now, Nate is, you know, we're just waiting for, for doctors to clear him. And um, until they clear him, we really can't make a decision. Uh, this team would really benefit from his him being out on the floor, um, but right now he's he's not cleared, and so that discussion about what's going to happen, whether it be this year or what or the future, we can't even really discuss that right now because we need to kind of figure out what what the reality of it is, and right now he's not cleared. Yeah. Would you like him to play this season? Would you prefer that over, say, medical redshirt? Um, you know, I I, I don't know I. I would I would love to have Nate on the floor. I think it just really kind of settles us down. But also you got to kind of think about what's good for him and and what's the best for the program. So I'll leave that up to the guys that make way more money than I do. <laughs> to make Wise that decision. decision. Yeah. What about Jamal Ates? Uh, is there any chance he plays this year? Again, Jamal Jamal's in a very similar situation. Um, has not practiced since you know he had his surgery. He's, so in October. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he hasn't practiced, hasn't uh, – he, he has gotten out on the floor and gotten shots and done things like that, but he hasn't been cleared to, to practice. So, again, you're talking about, you know, for us to think we could play him right now, there, he's not cleared. There's no yeah. – you know, the, and he hasn't practiced, so that would be pretty tough as of right now. But And it's uh, February. Right, yeah. right. What so did, I, yeah. at what point do you say, okay, let's – we're going to Richard? Um when uh, when Coach Rose decides to do that, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, again, I'll leave that to someone way bigger than me. That's a that's a fair answer. Yeah, how have teams adjusted because you don't have the big guys and, and you've relied very heavily on your guards and really good guards and Anson Weiner and Kyle Collins and Tyler Haas. They're putting up you know career numbers this year. How have teams in the West Coast Conference adjusted uh, like San Francisco did last night to to effectively kind of slow them down? Well, I think we're, we're getting different looks every night. You know, we started this against Portland, and uh, it was new, and we kind of caught them by surprise. And then there was one tape out there, and then we, we continue to do it, and there's tapes to continue. So everybody's going to kind of take a shot, you know, a different wrinkle to try to slow us down. And then they're going to – everybody's being a little bit more methodical about the way they're attacking us. Um, and uh, Taking you, more time? Yeah, taking a little more time and then, you know, trying to isolate that mismatch as good mm-hmm. as they can. Uh, a lot of last night you saw a lot of high-low stuff where they would they would lift their five um, and try to throw it in from the top, which is a really hard place to front and it's a really hard place to double. So those yeah. are kind of the looks we're getting. We're getting different looks, but, but that's what I would assume will continue. Um, way different looks defensively every night we've got to adjust to, and then offensively probably a heavier dose of trying to go at that mismatch. With the players, uh, you know, the cliche is one game at a time, and you guys really do a good job of, okay, let's stay in here. It's Santa Clara, right? Yet the goal is to get to the NCAA tournament. So how do you guys as a coaching staff kind of manage expectations and how you play these games, given that you do know, okay, we may have to go on a run here, but we don't want to put the pressure on ourselves. Yeah, we, we coach coach said it best. We let you guys do all that. Um, we we will take care of that for you, right? Um, you know all the stuff. Twenty years ago, when 
you know, Joe Lenardi was just, you know, some guy uh, <laughs> on the East Coast that nobody knew about. Um, now it's an everyday thing. You're getting updates every single day. So I would, you'd be naive to say our guys probably don't see it or hear it. Mm-hmm. But it's not anything that we put any value in because it's all speculation right now. And there's teams in the quote-unquote bracket right now that will not be in the bracket, and there's teams that aren't that will be. Um, and so what we try to do, and the only way you can have any success is if you win your next game. And so all of our focus is, you know, and we get ripped on as coaches for saying it, but all of our focus has to be on Santa Clara right now because in order for us to be the very best team we can be, we need to beat them. And that's what we've tried to talk to our guys about is just a consistent effort regardless of the opponent, regardless of the night, regardless of the location. Let's, let's just be as consistent as we can because we've, we talked about the variables that are, have really hurt us this year, and right now we're just trying to focus on what we have. And, you know, the only thing we've got for sure is we, we know we play tomorrow. We play against Santa Clara, and we're excited about it. And we're going to put a game plan in today, and we're going to go do our very best to win that game. Can you imagine the backlash you would get if you didn't focus one game at a time? Like, oh, yeah, we've got our minds on Mars. It'd be, yeah. it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be really funny. <laughs> I, I would imagine there would be a ton of, uh, of uh, you know, speculation and tweets, and it would give you guys a lot more to talk about. If there <laughs> Yes, was. it would, Tim. Yeah, yeah for sure. Let's, let's end with this. Kyle Collinsworth's hip. Any update on him? Um, just talked with him briefly after the game, and he was really sore. I mean, he took a he took a heck of a yeah, fall. He fell hard, mm-hmm. um, and he made an unbelievable play to go get that ball. You know, he he jumped as, as high as he's jumped all year to go get that ball. He was so determined to get it, and then came right down on his hip. So, haven't heard anything this morning. Um, we'll hear more about it, but I I would imagine just like last night, he's really sore. He's really kind of banged up, and uh, and hopefully we'll get some treatment today and be okay to go. Tim, great to have you with us once again. Get some rest, and uh, good luck tomorrow against Santa Clara. Thank you. Can I say one more thing? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. My parents are watching in Texas. And well, my what mom, is up? My mom swore me to, to say hello to, to old Lance and Joni out there, so I got to do that. Lance and Joni, what's up from BYU Sports Nation? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we love awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks for the time, Tim. Thank you. Up next, Super Bowl Twenty Nine MVP Steve Young. Where is he watching the game this weekend? This is BYU Sports Nation. With us, right? No. And now... Back to more BYU Sports Nation. It's Friday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Download the show podcast on iTunes or at BYUSportsNation.com. I'm coming around to listening to it at one and a half speed. Are you? I'm coming around. Try it on two. <laughs> That's... It's, it's wild. <laughs> it's not chipmunks, but it's pretty good. Hey, coming up next Wednesday, football signing day. Super pumped about this. The recruits are actually getting on... Uh, campus as we speak. They're going to spend the weekend uh, this week, and then next Wednesday is signing day. It starts noon Eastern, BYU Sports Nation, regular time. Live hits from the student-athlete building as guys are announced. This is a new wrinkle we're throwing in this year. 3 p.m., BYUtv.org has a press conference. 4 Eastern, Bronco Mendenhall on a special edition of BYU Sports Nation. We'll break down every single dude, high school, junior college, D1 transfers, return missionaries, all those guys. Come hang out with us next Wednesday, three hours of coverage. BYU Football All Access on signing day. I love it, man. Wednesday, February 4th. I can't wait till these guys play in 2032. It's going to be amazing. Let's reset some headlines. I'm just kidding. Men's basketball wins ugly, 78-74, but wins nonetheless. They'll host Santa Clara tomorrow to try and make it two in a row. 
BYU currently tied for third in the West Coast Conference with Pepperdine, who won by three at Pacific. I think Pepperdine is at St. Mary's tomorrow, so there's a chance with a BYU win that they climb into third place all by their lonesome. Women's basketball wins at San Francisco. Congratulations to Morgan Bailey going over 1,000 points in her career. She played like all 40 minutes again. Uh, Five of the last six games. More on that coming up in uh, Big Deal, No Deal. Austin Cauley signs with the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League, reunited with former quarterback John Beck. We need, like, BC Lions swag now or something. Yeah, we should hit up John about that. He's pretty good about that stuff. Send us a helmet? (laughs) A football? (laughs) I don't know. Some turf? I I would guess that with two of them there, they'll they'll have some some strings that they can pull to to make that happen. Hey, hopefully they uh, play and play a lot next season. That would be awesome. How cool would that be? Yeah, to see John Beck and Austin Collie hook. I don't care if it's the CFL. To see them reconnect again. I don't care if it's like level. Yeah. in a turkey bowl. Just see those guys play again would be fun. I know they'll be tuned in on September 5th. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 218. Yeah. BYU and Nebraska. I lo- do you only do the yeah thing on Fridays? No. Because you don't do it all the it's, time. It's very rare. It's, it is very rare. <laughs> but I love it every time. 218 days away from Lincoln, Nebraska, BYU opening the 2015 season and beginning the toughest schedule in school history, which includes games against Michigan, UCLA, Boise State, of course, Nebraska, and Missouri. I was looking at this yesterday. I sent out a couple tweets related to this. If I'm a high school kid and I come to BYU, I'm going to play a heck of a schedule. In the next couple of years. I mean, some serious, serious cheese is on that schedule going forward uh, in, the ne- in the next four years. Inclu- yeah, including Wisconsin. What a recruiting tool Pun that intended. is. Uh, if I go on a mission, even then. Okay, so let's say I'm a high school kid and I sign with BYU right now. Who am I going to play? Just P5s. Nebraska, UCLA, Michigan, Missouri, Arizona, Utah, UCLA again, West Virginia, Michigan State, LSU, Utah, Arizona, Cal, Washington, Utah, Wisconsin. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's say I go on a two-year LDS mission trip first, and then I play at Brigham. I'm going to play just P5s. I'm not even throwing in like Utah State, Boise State. LSU, Utah, Arizona, Cal, Washington, Utah, Wisconsin, Virginia, USC, Washington, Washington State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Arizona, Virginia, Arizona State, Missouri, Stanford. Did I just blow your mind or Uh, what? Is that good? That's going to be awesome. From now on, BYU starts to play these incredible schedules every year. Every year is going to be like 2013, where you play these name brand games, and hopefully a couple are ranked. Boise State, I think, will be ranked most of the time. Who knows? Maybe Utah State starts to get ranked, their program that's on the rise, winning a lot. Uh, This is fantastic. It's huge. And so for these kids that are coming in this weekend that are committed to BYU or trying to figure it out, Oh, by the way, I look at that schedule and I go, "All right, looking, that's big, fo- big time football." Looking at the schedules and contracts yesterday, uh, good find by at Matt SBN. He got contract details for BYU and Michigan State and included this. Now, between BYU and Michigan State, there is this agreement: if either party fails to comply with the terms and conditions of the contract by unilaterally canceling the agreement to play the game, that party shall pay to the others a sum of $1 million. $1 million. Now here's the really interesting part. Brigham yep. Young University may cancel this agreement without penalty if they become a member of a Power 5 conference and provide Michigan State University written notice of cancellation at least 18 months prior. This is a new development. BYU would like to get into a Power 5, and I'm sure that's in 
many, if not all, of the contracts. That is not a new development that BYU wants to get into a Power <laughs> 5 conference. Joining BYU Sports Nation once again, friend of the program and Super Bowl 29 MVP. He is in Phoenix to watch the game. Steve Young. Steve, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, always good to be with you guys. What's it like watching the Super Bowl when you've played in that game? <laughs> uh, you know, for the first few years, uh, I really was drawn to trying to get back on the field or at least thinking about it because it was, it's such, you know, it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it takes everything you have to, to be in that spot and to face that music and do that uh, in such a way that, you know, it, there's a little bit of a draw to it. And then over the years, I think um, I just, I, I think I'm more become a spectator like everyone else, just, you know, looking at the different players and I, I don't have that draw as much. And so it's more enjoyable probably over the years. How do you uh, how do you enjoy watching the game now, and can you watch it with certain people, or do you make sure that you're in a particular group when you watch the game? Well, my you know I work for I do the ESPN Monday nights, mm-hmm. and I do Monday nights the sixteen Monday nights in the fall, and then I have my little uh, in my office uh, down the street from my home. I do anything else you ever see me do is in my office. I pull the screen down and turn on the little telepresence and. And I'm I'm good to go. So those are, that's my that's my responsibilities all year long, which are pretty pretty nice and not much travel. The one thing that's outside of that is the Super Bowl, and uh, I am, I'm on after the game with uh, Tom Jackson and, and Chris Berman. So that's my that's kind of why I'm I'm in Phoenix. To be honest with you, <laughs> the media day buildup is unbelievable. How has it changed from the time that you were there experiencing media day on that Tuesday to now in 2015? You know, 20 years ago, yesterday was the, our Super Bowl, and the truth is, it's probably not a ton different. I mean, it's a worldwide event. It was then. Um, I think that uh, you know, it's probably. I mean, there's just more people in the world who love football, and it's kind of continued to grow. And so I think that you know, there's there's probably more media than than ever. But the the crush and the crazy questions and the insanity and <laughs> and uh, the focus. I mean, that was that was. I think in the maybe by about the late 80s. Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl really changed forever, and I think it stayed pretty, not static, but certainly it was a, you know, something that, was, that caught your attention because you knew that uh, something big was about to happen. We always hear this great story that uh, Joe Montana, you know, sees John Candy in the stands, you know, before the last drive against the Bengals. I was wondering if you had any kind of experience where we, the game kind of slowed down and you noticed something else, or you were just in that moment. Hey, I was standing there. I saw John Candy way before he did. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I had all the time in the world. You told him he was in the stands? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I'm just saying, I, you know, <laughs> I had nothing else to do. I was looking around the crowd. <laughs> I, just, I, just stood, I just stood there the whole time. That was embarrassing. So, um, but, uh, you know, for, for me, um, you know, I think beating the Cowboys, which is such a big deal. You think about the Cowboys, that was the break in their could have been four-year run of Super Bowls and one of the all-time great teams. And uh, the first two games that they won the Super Bowls went over the top of us. So winning that game made the Super Bowl not an afterthought, but certainly just emotionally was much more calm and, and uh, relaxed for the Super Bowl. And I just, I, I guess the funniest thing is, you know, I think that a couple years before Whitney Houston had sung the national anthem famously yeah. uh, at the Super Bowl. And then, you know, so at your Super Bowl, you're thinking, oh my gosh, who's going to sing the national anthem? I, you know, technically different. I, I, appreciate her and think she's wonderful, but it just wasn't what I was thinking was going to be the, the, 
the draw for the national anthem. <laughs> That's what I remember. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking Super Bowl, and of course, we'll get some BYU as well. Steve, when the game started, you talked it was, it was relaxing. It clearly relaxed you through six touchdown passes. Did you have to pinch yourself at any point? Like, I can't believe this is happening. Well, what's funny is Mike Shanahan, okay, we, we, you know, he's Mr. Goldberg again. So, we, you know, before the game, we went over it again and again and again. And he did a virus for the 16th time because there's so much time waiting for the game to start. He looked at me and said, Steve, we're going to throw eight touchdowns. I want eight touchdowns. And I thought, I was like, come on, Mike. It's not, it's funny. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't say that. That's just dumb. And so we had four at, ha- we had four at halftime, and he said, we're going to do it. Watch this. We're going to do it. And then when George Seifert decided to pull me out, like, mid-early mid, mid fourth quarter, Mike Shanahan had through one of the greatest fits of all time because he had six, and he had two more to go, and he was going to do it. So for me, I was just kind of following direction, you know. <laughs> so six, just, uh, six, six was a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, what in the world? <laughs> That's amazing, Steve. Uh, when you look at the Seahawks and Patriots, what's a matchup that you look at that you think will determine the outcome of the game? Well, interestingly enough, this is the era of the quarterback more so than ever before. We know that the rules have been changed to protect quarterbacks more, so they can do their jobs better. Uh, and now, famously, you know now that since 2006, they've been able to prepare the footballs just the way they want them, so they can throw things that they really like. Which I can, I could spend 15 minutes telling you about how miserable my life was because we couldn't <laughs> control them. But, uh, but, and also the rules against the defensive back. You know, you can't chuck, you can't grab. Now, also, you can't use the helmet to helmet. There's all kinds of things that keep defenses at bay. And so this is the era of the quarterback. And you've seen the great ones rack up numbers like you've never seen. So this is the era we're in. And so going into that era, the, the, the two iconic um, uh, quarterbacks of this era are Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And last year, the Seattle Seahawks defense went to New York for the Super Bowl and just smashed the, 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 the Broncos and, and Peyton. And it's amazing to me that what they did. And now a year later, they're going to take the other iconic quarterback and maybe do the same thing in an era when it's not supposed to be defensive. But to me, that's the, that's the most interesting and dynamic story is this, the Seattle Seahawks defense playing like the steel curtain of the 70s. So, I mean, everybody wants to watch them. Everyone I know that plays quarterback talks about the Seattle Seahawks defense. It's like, I just want to watch them play because they're simple, they're straightforward, and they just run you over. And it's like, you don't see that. All that, I just said, you don't see in the NFL anymore. You see all these different, I mean, the defenses, safety's raining down, all this, you know, complex uh, tactics and everything. This is just 11 guys that line up. Basically, Tom Brady's going to be looking for uh, signs of what defense they're going to play. I have a feeling Cam Chancellor might yell it out. Hey, Tom, man, single safety, let's go. Get those, snap the ball. You know, and, <laughs> and, then they'll, and, then they'll, and then they'll go beat him up. And so, to me, that's, that's what all I want to watch. The iconic quarterback, second in a row now, going up against this defense in 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 in, in the mis- misshaped misshapen for the era, and, it's, and see if they can do something incredible in my mind. Steve Young with us. He's joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. We'll participate in the Super Bowl festivities this weekend for ESPN uh, analysts and whatnot, analysis and whatnot. Steve. Uh, BYU football has scheduled some Super Bowl type games in the future, if you will, against LSU and Missouri and Michigan State. What do you think about this trend of BYU going out and scheduling the big boys in independence? 
I love it because we've got to do it. We've got to. Our program needs to grow. It can't be shrinking. It's not like a melting iceberg. We've got to be growing. And the only way to grow in independence, independence is to go out and play these guys and show up and beat them. And, and you know, we've got to have that mentality. Um, we've got to get that ESPN contract renewed. We've got to be able to be a, a force in the nation's uh, football uh, landscape. Um, and, you know, and, and so to me, the more, the more that we, we just we look at Notre Dame as another, the only, only other independent that really matters, they have to do the same thing. We've got to – I mean, I appreciate the fact that Savannah State agreed to play us. That's not going to – that's not – we cannot be shrinking. There's two programs in the, in the state that are, are growing, Utah State and Utah, and we've got to stay there. And we've got to take these challenges, and we've got to go beat them. And we've got to stay – we've got we to act like that, be like that, and become that, that, that team that's a force. And so I, I, I don't want to do it – I mean, I don't think we're ready to play those guys every week, but certainly we've got to be ready to go and play and win. At what point, I guess, is it uh, too tough when BYU schedules say, I don't know, at some point, too many Power 5 teams? Is there a too tough line somewhere? Yeah, but I think people will appreciate that. That's what I, I guess that's what I'm saying is people will appreciate the fact that if you go down and play really, you know, a, a, you know, as tough a schedule as you see in the SEC or, or the Big 12, or then, number one, as you guys were just talking about, maybe we're more likely to perceptionally that we can, that we're ready to go to one of these power conferences when they expand. We need to be doing that. We need to be playing these guys. And then I don't think we have to win every one of them, but we got to win some, and we got to be competitive, and we got to be a tough out. Wherever we go, BYU is a tough out. And so if we do that, then over time, as we play more and more of these teams, people will say, "Hey, don't just schedule BYU because they're going to come there and knock in the nose and beat you." And uh, uh, and as long as we can. You know, and I, that's why I say I don't. I don't. If we had ten really tough games, people would appreciate a five and five record. They'd see that. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying people watch closely, and because of that, I think you get the appreciation nationally, which is what we need if we're going to be around and and growing as a as a as an independent. Steve, you have delivered. We are now fired up for what starts 218 days from now, and that is BYU in Nebraska. Oh, see, now I'm fired up. I got you just said. Shivers up my spine. I'm ready to go play, and I'm hoping that uh, that everybody else. I, and I, I mean, we just we cannot we cannot shrink because once we do, we'll never stop that 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 momentum downward. We've got to keep expanding. I appreciate the fact that Tom's looking for that kind of schedule. And now we got to get a team and recruit kids that can represent BYU and all that we are, and then go and, and win these football games. We got to have that. We got to just take that challenge. We got to face it and know that this is part of who we are. This is what we're going to do. And part, half of it is expectation. If you expect everybody to, to, to prepare that way and be ready for these kind of games, and they play them every year, and they get over the fact that they go to LSU, oh, no, or Nebraska, oh, no, you get over that, and just go play great football, hmm, now we're talking. Steve, great to talk to you. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, we'll keep the seat warm in the studio if next time uh, you're in town. All right, go Cougs. All right, thanks, Steve. See ya. Man, he's, he's always fired I'm, up. I'm ready to go. He's always fired up. And if, if we played in a game, we wouldn't pull him out in the middle of the fourth quarter. The goal was eight, and he had six. So he said six was a disappointment. Yeah, yeah always great to talk to Steve. Young. That was such a blowout, man. 49 that, that to 26, great. right? I don't know. The final it, was score? Great, it was a great day. Natron Means and Stan Humphreys got Nate, worked. Natron Means. By the 49ers. Can you name another player on that Chargers team? Junior Seau? Was he? Yeah, Junior Seau. He was on that team. There you go. Up next, we play Big Deal, No Deal. 
BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. My name is Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan, the voice of BYU Men's Volleyball. Which is tonight, 9 Eastern Time, BYU and UC San Diego. Check it out on BYU TV and BYU Radio. What is the most surprising thing you saw from BYU basketball last night? I don't care right now because I want to talk about what Steve Young just brought up. Okay, some outstanding He's fired energy. Up, man. Yes. Just he is so invested in BYU football, and I love that about him. He lives and dies with the team still. That's, so, that's great. So I asked him, how, you know, how tough is too tough maybe with the schedules that BYU's putting together, which are ambitious and awesome. Uh, and he said, I think people would appreciate, you know, 10 solid games. And if BYU went 5-5, five and five, great. 5-5 five and five sounds terrible to me. But ten, the possibility of 10 games against P5 teams at some point, to me that almost sounds like too much. But... BYU's going to line it up and play against the nation's best. I'm excited about that. Yeah, he said he loves the opportunity, and he also brought up there are two teams growing in the state, Utah State and Utah. BYU has to continue to grow. Can't get left behind. And the way you do that is to schedule really well. Yes, they've done that. And then win win a bunch of these games. You don't have to win all of them, but if you can win like two-thirds, now you're talking. You go to the big house, beat Michigan, you beat Nebraska, you beat UCLA. Boise State. I mean, if you even if you just go two and two, five hundred stinks, right? If you go two and two, I think that's a really solid September. And then you build, win ten or eleven games, nine. I don't know. That's that's good to me. Yeah, that's you really want, good. You want to win them all, but even you if can you get ranked that even way. Even if you win two of the four, you're guaranteed two outstanding wins the, against two really good programs. And the point is, BYU wants to be considered Power Five esque, right? Not in a Power Five, but they left the Mountain West because they feel like they're in a different category, right? And until the Power 5 invite comes, play the toughest teams. And it's exciting that BYU's uh, lined up these guys to play. I'm pumped. And Nebraska coming up? 218 days 218 away. 218 days away. We saw an unbelievable tweet. We have to get to this. At TX Colonel. Oh, this is, about the, this? this is about the Missouri game. Oh, Missouri. Sorry. Not, not Missouri. Or uh, Missouri, not Nebraska. Okay. Yes. At TX Colonel. Hey, he just tweets this out. <laughs> Countdown to Kansas Four City. $9,300 on 143 tickets <laughs> to the Mizzou game. He spent almost ten grand on 143 tickets to the game at Arrowhead Stadium. We own Section 345. <laughs> then says, hashtag pay me back. <laughs> when you're that guy, you don't get all the money back. You never get all the money back. I oh, promise so you. so cool. An early rise and shout to at Texas Colonel. Dexter and Dexter for help when you need it most. Check them out. That that deserves a rise. Dexterlaw.com. At Dexterlaw.com. That is correct. Holy cow. Grand. Well done at TX Colonel. The, see, that's what you get from a BYU fan. Who else is going to do that? Buy out a whole section? Come on. I don't know, but that guy did. That's what BYU Sports Nation is about. <laughs> Shout out. Pay me back. We're back after this. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. BYU beat San Francisco 78-74 last night. Tyler Haas scored 28 in the win. He needs three points to pass Danny Ainge for number two in BYU history. Ryan Haas! (laughs) Watch the Cougars and Santa Clara Broncos tomorrow with Spencer Linton on the call on BYU TV and listen to BYU Radio 9 Eastern Time. Women's basketball. Morgan Bailey scored 19 points, had 11 rebounds, and a 68-63 Cougar win at San Francisco last night. Bailey went over the 1,000-point mark in her career. BYU plays at Santa Clara tomorrow, 5 Eastern, on the W.TV. 
football. So you mean the W? W. Austin Colley actually signed with the team in the Canadian Football League. Contrary to an erroneous report earlier this it's week. not about Montreal. The Montreal. Say it. Uh, Alouettes. Thank you. Colley's teamed up with John Beck on the BC Lions roster. Sweet. Men's volleyball. The et- <laughs> The et- the eighth-ranked Cougars, rather, host UC San Diego this weekend. They're 36-0 all-time against UC San Diego. Compelling oh, se- and seventh rich. Ranked. Who wrote eighth in there? Seventh-ranked BYU Cougars. Come on, Spencer. Watch and listen to the match tonight with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Gymnastics. The ladies are at 22nd-ranked Southern Utah tonight after setting a season high last week against Utah State. <laughs> Swimming and diving. The divers are at the Air Force Invitational. The swimmers in Phoenix in Super Bowl country at mm. Grand Canyon. Track and field. They just swim in the river in the bottom of it. Some of the team is at the Armory Invitational in New York, and some of the the other part is at the University of Washington Invitational this week in Seattle. How does that work? Rugby. The top-ranked Cougars play in Mesquite yeah. this weekend against UNLV and Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Tennis. There's a lot in this way. Who wrote The women's team's at Denver this afternoon. The men host St. Mary's today. The 55th ranked BYU women's tennis team. They rank a lot of teams. We enjoy that quite a bit. 87th ranked. (laughs) We already did our. 55th BYU pulls off the upset over 47th ranked whoever. We already did our rise and shout to at TX Colonel for buying. Yeah, really rise and shout uh, to 143 tickets to the BYU Missouri game. That's awesome. Section. What is it? 345 belongs to us. 143? No. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Guess next week. How about Ken Pomeroy, the statistician in college basketball, and Blaine Fowler on Monday? Yeah, big show. Blaine was at the game last night. And he said earlier this week, BYU has yet to show us that they can win an ugly game. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. It happened I last mean, that, night. That was your closest win in WCC play. That was nice. What's the most surprising thing you saw from BYU Hoops last night? At O'Kelly KM says, Andrus and Nielsen doing their best Nate Austin impressions. Taking charges. We yeah. missed that. Yeah, that's big time. It's a momentum changer. It really is. Hey, thanks to Steve Young, Tim Lacombe, and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. The show on demand on BYUtv.org slash BYUSN and BYUsportsNation.com for Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to Jim Yusevich, who was in the house last night. BYU Sports Nation back to work on Monday. Recruiting weekend. Let's lock it up, man.